This is the Statman Sports Podcast, where we keep topics in context. This is your host, Steve Duffus, who is still wondering why the Seahawks didn't run the ball. Yeah, it's a beautiful day to talk sports, baby. Today I am hyped for episode four, man. I'm so hyped today. Great beginning to the week. Tiger Woods won, guys. Tiger freaking Woods won, finally, after six years, man. I was so happy to experience that live. It was amazing. It was just an amazing scene. Man, welcome to episode four of the Statman Sports Podcast. To all the new listeners, I want to thank you for the support. If you haven't yet subscribed, you know where to find us. If you're listening, obviously, you find us on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher. So just go ahead there and subscribe. Man, and for those returning listeners, oh my goodness. We had so much to talk about this week. Uh, NFL games to cover. Yeah, like I just mentioned, Tiger Woods. We want to cover some golf as well. We want to talk about some baseball. The playoff season is nearing. We have about, I'd say, like a week left of regular season baseball. Then we head right into the playoffs. So I want to touch on some of that as well. But man, Tiger is back, baby. I'm happy about that. Quite happy as you can tell, obviously. So, yes, with no further ado, guys, let's just roll right into it for what are you talking about? Huh? What are you talking about, man? Woo! What? (laughs) Bro, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, for the third time, like I said. Tiger Woods is back. For those of you who don't care about golf, just like I don't care, let me explain this to you. I watch every sport mostly because I just enjoy sports. And there's one thing I absolutely love about sports. It's feel-good stories. It doesn't necessarily matter what team I support. It doesn't matter what team you support. All of us like a feel-good story. And I've never interested in golf because to me it was just boring to watch. But when I discovered this guy, Tiger Woods, in the year 1999, going into the 2000 season, I was kind of interested because I'm saying, okay, they're playing this game where they just hit the ball in the hole. I'm like, okay, what's so interesting about it? But there was something about this guy, Tiger Woods, that just made me come back. It doesn't matter if I was watching basketball. If Tiger Woods was on, I would switch over to see, okay, let me see what this guy's doing. There was just something about him, something about his game that just made golf interesting. It just made me want to go outside and try to hit some balls in a hole. And that just carried over as I got older. I didn't care about sports. I didn't care about Phil Mickelson. I didn't care about any of those guys at that time. When I saw... The schedules, me at the time, I I wasn't really much on the internet back in 99, 2000. Well, I don't think most of us were like quite interested in having a profile on the internet. We just went online to actually just get information and then we'll get off. And I will always go online on ESPN's website to see, okay, when is Tiger Woods playing? Because I really want to see when he's playing. And as time went by, like I said, it just garnered my attention and Tiger Woods always had my attention and he always did something to make me go wow 
And that's what got me interested in golf. We fast forward to 2018. As of this past weekend, Tiger Woods just won the Tour Championship. For those of you who don't know, just like in any sport, the golf also has their playoff. And that's their playoff that Tiger Woods won. And why everybody was so enthralled, if you haven't seen it, you should go on YouTube and just Google the 18th green. When Tiger Woods had to take his last couple shots for you to see how great that scene was. Because Tiger Woods, as we all know, he's a 14-time major champion. He's dominated the sport of golf, I would say, since literally when I started watching. From, I would say, 2000 all the way till 2000 and you'd say... Uh, 10, 11, 12, 2013 even. He pretty much dominated the sport for 13 years. And like I said earlier, multiple times, he was the guy that make everybody come back. It didn't matter if you love golf, if you didn't like golf, you didn't care about golf, if you, if you had no interest whatsoever in the sport, that guy made you come back. And there's only few athletes on this earth. The 32 years going on 33 that I have on this earth that made me want to go back no matter what the sport was. Michael Jordan. Wayne Gretzky. I would even say Steve Eisenman because he played on my favorite hockey team. The Detroit Red Wings. I would say Barry Bonds. I would even say Mark McGuire. And Tiger Woods. Those guys made me come back. I'm not a big baseball fan either, but. Like I said, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, even Ken Griffey Jr., these guys made me come back just to see what they'll do. And Tiger Woods did something amazing this past weekend. Everybody questioned him because for the past six years, he had four back surgeries. He had knee problems. He had a back transfusion. And usually when you have a back transfusion, it's really hard to come back to play that sport because golf is very strange. Even if you hurt a finger, Sore thumb, sore knee. Yeah, I mean, your game is derailed because it's all about precision. And man, Tiger Woods did something that made all of us have hope again. It made you think, it doesn't matter how low I am in life. It doesn't matter how bad it is. If I work hard, I can make a comeback. Granted, some of it was self-inflicted by Tiger. We all know his story with his ex-wife, the drinking, the partying. The sleeping around, the cheating. We all know that. Tiger Tiger dug himself in a hole. And accumulate that with the injuries. He became a subpar player. He was invisible. He was practically he was unranked. And as of today, as this podcast, he's ranked number twelve in the world because he won that that tour championship this past weekend. And it's amazing that we in America, we do give second chances. And it was amazing to see that even people that didn't cheer for Tiger, that never cheered for Tiger, that had an issue with Tiger, that had any type of disdain towards him, they were all clapping. They all had their cell phones out. They were all cheering for him. And it was an amazing thing to see, like I said, that even though you didn't care about the sport of golf, yesterday you cared Matter of fact, Justin Rose, the guy that actually won the, 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 the FedEx Cup, because like in golf, you have to accumulate points when it comes to the playoff for you to actually win. And if you are in the top, I think, believe the top four, the top five, if you happen to stay in the top four in the top five in that 
specific in the last tournament, you will win the entire cup. And that gives you $10 million. And nobody cared except for Justin Rose and his caddy that he actually won because everybody was excited that Tiger Woods finally won a a golf tournament. Sorry, a golf tournament in six years. And now he's projected as the favorite to win the Masters, which is all the way in April of next year. That is the Tiger Woods effect. I would say in my lifetime, I've never seen an athlete that can that can move a needle. Matter of fact, I will even say Tiger Woods is the needle of golf. And like I mentioned multiple times already, even if you're not interested, you come back and you watch Tiger Woods. And I want to segue into another, another feel-good story. And this is, goes to the NFL. The Cleveland Browns. They finally won a game. The first game on Thursday night. If you go back to Thursday night, the Cleveland Browns played the New York Jets. Sam Donald versus, at the time, Tyrod Taylor. All the questions were around the Browns. Uh, Is Tyrod Taylor going to perform? Is the defense going to show up? Uh, The Jets were supposed to dismantle them. Sam Donald is the Jets' next franchise quarterback. If you watch the game, the first quarter went by. The second quarter went by. It was an awful game, I'll say, at least. I even actually switched the channel for a little bit because I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. But then, you know, just because I had to cover it, I had to take some notes, I kept watching the game. And as the time went by, the, the Browns got worse. They weren't running the ball too well. They weren't defending too well. And Tyro Taylor was making so many mistakes. Sam Donald made a lot of mistakes as well. The game was just not flowing well. And I said to myself, I actually tweeted this out, and I said, I mean, what do you have to lose, Cleveland Browns? Why don't you put in um, um, uh, Baker Mayfield? Just put Baker Mayfield. He's the number one draft pick. Why did you pick the guy if you're not going to play him? Well, people are going to say, well, he has to sit behind Tyrod Taylor. He can learn a lot. Listen, man, when you haven't won a game in two years, you try everything possible to win, okay? And once the Cleveland Brown put in Baker Mayfield, you can tell the significant difference with that Cleveland Browns offense. They was more assertive. They looked like an actual NFL team that has won like 10 games. They look decent. They look good. The Jets' defense didn't know what to expect. It was ridiculous. There was like a minute and a half left before halftime, and Sam Donald drove the Browns all the way down the field. And they got a field goal. And I just, you can see the whole stadium was risen. Everybody got some hope. They were happy. They were excited because they said, you know what? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we finally got our quarterback. And this might be a thing. And the rest is history. Even though make, Baker made some mistakes in that game, the Browns end up winning the game. And it's not like the game was close. The Browns were down two scores, two touchdowns. And they came back and won the game on the back of Baker Mayfield. And there's nothing else to say. If you have any questions, if you have any problems, matter of fact, even Hugh Jackson, the coach of Cleveland, had some doubts. He's like, oh, I don't know if Baker Mayfield is going to be our quarterback for the next game. What do you mean? What are you talking about, bro? Did you not see the game we saw when you put Baker Mayfield in the game? 
you guys look like an actual NFL team now. Play the man. You just have to play him. Just like the Jets found a guy in Sam Donald, so did the Browns with Baker Mayfield. And we are in for a magical train ride. That don't make any sense. Speaking of amazing train rides, or amazing rides, rather. I know, since the beginning of the of this podcast, really, from the first episode up to now, we've talked about football because it's football season. And <laughs> the confusing topic of this week was pretty much the entire NFL because there were some most ridiculous things that happened this week that, oh my goodness, if I start now, this podcast would, this podcast would just go for about three hours. And that's not the idea, obviously, but there, there were a few things that we need to talk about, okay? Patrick Mahomes, we talked about him last week, but <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Patrick Mahomes, the new quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, is on an absolute ridiculous tear. Okay, let me put this into perspective, right? We know this is not going to happen, but just talking about it and just verbalizing it just sounds ridiculous. He's on pace right now for 70 touchdowns and zero interceptions, okay? <laughs> just let that sink in. He broke the all-time NFL record for touchdowns in the first three games of a season with 13 touchdowns. And it's not like he has 13 touchdowns with four interceptions or five interceptions. No, he has 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. That's how ridiculous this man is playing right now. The Kansas City Chiefs offense is the best offense at the moment in the NFL. Like, it's not even close at all. You're going to get points from that offense. But the scary thing about that offense is the mirror effect of that offense. Their defense looks just as bad. Kansas City's offense is scoring 37, but they're giving up 35. Or they're scoring 40 and giving up 37. And that is not ideal. And that's why I think this was, this will not be sustainable. I know. All of us overreact after three weeks in any season. In baseball season, we did the same. When the Chicago Cubs had that... Amazing run in 2016. We all was going crazy. Like, oh my goodness, they won 25 out of the next 26 games. That's crazy. Uh, they're probably going to win the World Series. They end up winning the World Series, but we were overreacting. Because just like any sport, you're going to have a down a downside. And you're going to have a downtime to the season where you're not going to perform to the level you did at the beginning of the season. So, Kansas City fans, I just want you to calm down. But, just, but I must say, I must give props where it's due. Patrick Mahomes is losing his mind right now. And that's amazing to see. Then, the Bills. The Buffalo Bills. They were a 17-point underdog against the Minnesota Vikings. In Minnesota. There was actually a tweet war going on between the, the social media team from the Buffalo Bills and the Minnesota Vikings. The Buffalo Bills. Well, actually, how did that go? I can't even remember. But the whole gist of it was the Minnesota Vikings social media team was trying to tease the Buffalo Bills saying, hey, you guys, I hope you guys find the right Minnesota. Well, guess what, Minnesota? The Buffalo Bills did find the right Minnesota. You were trailing 17-0 to in your own stadium after six minutes to the Buffalo Bills, who two weeks ago was starting probably the worst quarterback the NFL ever seen in Nate Peterman or Nate Peterman. I still can't pronounce his name. 
He's that bad. And then you had Josh Allen out there looking like John Kelly. The vaunted Minnesota Vikings defense. Yes, that same Minnesota Vikings defense that gave up 38 points to the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship last year. That same Vikings defense. That ridiculous Viking defense yeah, that Aaron Rodgers couldn't move around against. Yeah, that same one. They let Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills go in their building and smack them up. If you pace, if, if you ever played the survival pool, for those of you who don't know, a survival pool is where every week you pick a team in a, in a bracket and you can't pick that team again the next week. Everybody had a lock-in that Minnesota was going to trample the Buffalo Bills. But that didn't happen. And that was confusing. But that's what makes the NFL great. Because week to week, you never know what's going to happen. Like, it's it's just amazing. Like, every season you see something happen that makes you say, okay, I've seen this before. But then next season, you see something crazier. And that's what happened. <laughs> I didn't expect that. But, hey, that's how it goes. And then we go to America's so-called team. That so-called team, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that live up in the Jerry world. That team. <laughs> that, <laughs> that team is awful. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. That team is awful. You want my you want my honest opinion? They're awful. You have a quarterback, right? A quarterback. I'll tell you this from the top of my head because I know this from the top of my head. Six out of the past eight games, your quarterback hasn't passed for more than 200 yards. You know in the NFL what that translates to, right? You a game manager. That's that that's the type of quarterback you have. I don't care what people are saying. Oh, Dak Prescott, he had amazing games, five amazing games last year. Oh, guys like Skip Billis. If you guys keep listening to Skip Billis, he would dilute your mind. He's he's a crazy Cowboys fan. Your quarterback is now a game manager. How do you have arguably, arguably the best running back in football? Well, I'll say the second best running back in football. And you only give him 13 carries a game. 13. Because you want to rely on your quarterback because you think your quarterback is so great? Man, listen here, man. If you give Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ezekiel Elliott, are you kidding me? If Green Bay had Ezekiel Elliott right now, Aaron Rodgers would be happy because they'll be running the ball 20, 30 times a game. Because can't nobody stop that, man? Cowboys, you have no receivers. You let go of the best receiver you had in Des Bryant. You know what, Jerry Jones? I know you're not listening to this, but I'll tell you something. Shut down your pride. You too, Des Bryant. Shut down your pride. You guys make up because you need a wide receiver. Right now, you guys are playing third and fourth string receivers in in, in slots and number one positions. You're not going to make it anywhere. You don't have... One pass over 20 yards for the entire season, and we're three games in. That's absolutely confusing to me. And you guys need to fix that. And you absolutely need to fix that quick because the NFL does not reward patience that much. Okay? There's three weeks in, and you're already one and two. You lost to a a so-so Seahawks team. So you better get it together, or else you won't make the playoffs. But hey... What do I know? Because my Green Bay Packers, they're so-so as well. Their defense is awful. The offense is mediocre. Granted, our quarterback is playing on one leg. 
But hey, what can you do? Another flag on Clay Matthews. The NFL needs to just get rid of that rule, man. Just get rid of it. I mean, what do you? How, how do you expect players to play? I know I already complained about this last week, but it happened again. How am I going to run into a man and try to move sideways so I don't hit him and then he falls to the ground? Man, listen here. This is a physical game. Quarterback's about to get hit. I know. People come to the game towards a quarterback. But just like defensive players, they got to eat too, okay? They have bills to pay. So if a defensive player can't hit a quarterback, then go play another sport or change that rule, whatever you need to do. But please, see, this is becoming like flag football. I played flag football before. You want to put flags around every play and then we just pull them? That's what the NFL wants now? Come on, man. Get it together. Get it together. Get it together, NFL. Man, I'm so hyped today. But it's all good, though. Because you guys you guys approve of this hypeness and I'm down with it. But, man, that was, that was just this week's review of the NFL, man. And, well, next week when things happen, we'll talk about them again. Here's by the numbers. This is your stats of the day. Yes, 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 yes. We're back for another stat of the day. And in this episode, I chose the number 100. And I was very interested in this number. Because like I said earlier, I wanted to talk about some baseball. And that's gonna, we're going to segue to that into our next segment, obviously. But I want to touch on something. With the number 100. I did some research because I was interested to see how many teams won 100 games in an MLB regular season and how they fared. And I think you guys might want to know. This is a very interesting stat, okay? As of right now, this season, the 2008 MLB season, there are these are the teams that are potentially 100% going to make the playoffs. The Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Cleveland Indians, the Houston Astros, the A's, the Atlanta Braves, Chicago Cubs. The LA Dodgers and the Rockies are battling out for that for the NL West, and also the Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers are battling out that NL. So I'm not sure who's probably going to win those divisions, but those teams have the potential to make the playoffs. Okay, of all those teams, the only team that has 100 wins right now is the Boston Red Sox. They have 105, and we have a week left, so most likely they're going to play seven games. So they might win 110. Who knows? But uh, these are the other potential teams that might actually get to 100 as well. The Yankees, they have a 95 as of right now of this recording, which is uh, Monday, September 24th. The A's have 94 wins. The Astros have 98 wins. Like I said, the Yankees have 95 wins. The Cubs have 91 wins. And that's it. So maybe for the first time in MLB history, we might have more than three teams in a season that have 100 wins. Okay? It's crazy. Now, this is the actual crazy stat that I really want to focus on. Aside from 100. I start looking from 1901. I looked on different websites. I did some different research. And I've counted on my own by hand. It took me some time. From 1901 to 2018, not counting the Boston Red Sox with 105 right now. There have been 97 teams that won 100 games. And guess how many of them actually won the World Series? 35 of them. Okay? 35. That's <laughs> that's 36% win percentile. 
If you want to convert that to any other sport, because I like to do things like that, let's convert that to a field goal percentage. If you're shooting 36% from field goal, you're shooting very bad. If you're shooting 36% from the three-point line, well, you're a pretty good three-point shooter in the NBA. But <laughs> you you have a 36 percentile in anything, you are failing miserably. And that's what the percentage is for teams actually winning the World Series, right? And this is from the beginning, I would say, from 1901, right? Now, we have... I was born in 1985, October 9th, 1985. So I'll be... 33 in about two weeks yay me <laughs> and i started to count again since i was born all the teams that have won 100 games how many of them have actually won the world series five of them five okay since 1985 five of them so the record since i was born <laughs> it is awful it's less than 30 36 percent because i think only 28 or 29 teams won since 1985 have won 100 games and only five of them have won <laughs> that's that's a very awful stat man but but with that said i want to segue into uh we're going to answer some questions first though we'll answer some questions from our listeners and that we have some very interesting questions so let's just segue into that it's that part of the show where you listeners get involved it's q a time now it's time to ask Steve about his deep, dark secrets, or whatever the heck you want to ask. <laughs> hey man, guys, side note, I really love these transitions, you know, shout out to my audio guy for creating these, he's amazing. And, um, you know, if you guys want to hear different ones, let me know. And I would change them up and I uh, try every week to try to put in different transitions. For me, it gives me a sense of order. I would know, you know, what I'm talking about. You guys will know what sections you want to listen to. You can skip to those right away. So they're amazing. But in this week for the Q&A's, I, there's some interesting questions. And the three that I chose this week, the first one comes from Brian from Florida. He said, I've been watching the NFL for a long time and... I've seen a lot of great running backs. But today, it seems like there's only maybe two or three, you can say, great running backs that have Hall of Fame potential. Who to you is the greatest running back of all time? <laughs> if you listen to my stat of the day, I'm talking about yeah, um, baseball, um, I was born in 1985, and I was able to see in his prime, Barry Sanders. I saw a little bit, I, I just saw a little bit of Eric Dickerson at the end of his prime. I was still a little young. I was like seven or eight. And um, obviously, I got to see Adrian Peterson in his prime. I got to see um, um, Terrell Davis in his prime. Um, who else did I get to see? I can't even remember from the top of my head right now. But I'd seen some great running backs. But to me, the greatest running back of all time is Barry Sanders. That man is ridiculous. Ten seasons, he retired when he was, what, 28, 29? Matter of fact, I was actually talking about this. In a, in a group chat today, our fantasy group chat, fantasy football group chat, we were talking about this. And Barry Sanders, to me, is ridiculous. He didn't have, I don't think he had a season less than 1,100 yards. And this is without a quarterback and without a good offensive line. People might talk about Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith had Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Charles Haley, um, uh, the, maybe the greatest offensive line of all time. Man, listen. 
Barry Sanders is it, man. Brian, thanks for your question. Our second question comes from Janine from LA. She asked me, how do you feel about your Lakers? Man, I feel very good about my Lakers. As of today, September 24th of this recording, the Lakers have LeBron James. We're going to do big things in the Western Conference. I tend to be, I try to be a bit neutral about this. Everyone's going to get hyped because we have LeBron, but our team is nowhere close to winning a championship. And for the Lakers, being a Lakers fan for a long, long, long time, the only thing that matters, whether people want to say it or not, is championships. Other teams might do well in the playoffs, and that's great for them. But for the Lakers, that doesn't count. But I feel good about these, this Lakers team. Lonzo Ball is going to ball out, I believe, this season. He has a one year on his belt, a lot of guidance. You know, Rayshon Rondo is going to be his tutor, his mentor. You have Magic Johnson, the greatest point guard of all time, in his ear all day. LeBron James, the best basketball player in his ear right now. So that's going to be amazing, and that's going to be great for him. Um, you know, I'm not sure about JaVale McGee. I know Brandon Ingram is going to ball out. Kyle Kuzma, man, he he's already a all-star, and he is on his way. Very on his way. So having LeBron there is going to help him out a lot. So this team is going to go places, I believe, in the West, even though it's tougher than the East, LeBron. But uh, I think we're going to end up about maybe, I'll say, four or five in the West. I say that. But maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. But I feel good about my team. But Janine, thank you very much for your question. And our last question today is from uh, Steve from New York, actually. <laughs> um, who is the best player in the MLB currently? Well, to me, the best player right now, without a doubt, I don't even know if this is even an argument, I think it's Mike Trout. It's not even close. Some people are talking about Bryce Harper. No. Mike Trout, to me, is the best player in the MLB, bar none. Like, it's not even close. He play, He plays great defense. He's a great hitter. He, he runs the bases really well. He does everything. There's a stat. I think it's called the, the, the war. W-A-R. Uh, uh, when. I can't remember what it is right now from the top of my head. But um, it, it pretty much describes the type of effect one player has on the team's outcome. The wins or losses. And Mike Trout has had the highest average for the past, what, five years? <laughs> it's not even close, man. It's Mike Trout. I want to thank you guys once again for your questions. It was amazing. Um, I have a lot more questions in my inboxes, so I have to go through them to see uh, what type of questions we would like to answer next week. But like I said, if you have any questions, you can always leave them on the Instagram page of the podcast, Statman Sports Podcast. You can also go to the Facebook page, and we'll, I will try to answer as much questions as I can over the coming weeks. And that leaves us to segue into our next segment, which is keeping it in context. In this week's episode of Keeping It in Context, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to summarize, right? Something I've been coming to my mind, especially this past weekend. In sports, like I said in the beginning of this episode, is we like a feel-good story. But then we also have this thing where we set our expectations for our teams, for our outcomes, a bit higher than usual. And when we get disappointed, we get hit harder. You know, 
I've been watching, like I said, Tiger Woods for a long time. And Tiger Woods always gives you this glimpse, at least this past year when he's been coming back from his injury. He gives you this glimpse of greatness. And every tournament he goes in, you expect better and better and better and more and more and more. And Tiger has been coming close. He was coming in fifth in some tournaments and he came in second and then he finally won this past weekend. And I set my bar a little low for him because that's what I usually do for a lot of sport teams that I watch, except for my own sports teams, obviously, because just like any fan, I have high expectations. We want to win everything. But you set the bar a little higher than usual and you can't, you tend to get disappointed. And this weekend, it made me realize, right, that it doesn't matter the type of sport you play. It doesn't matter the type of sports you watch. There's always going to be high expectations. There's always going to be players and teams that are going to do better than what you expected and then your expectations are going to go higher and then that will derail what you think is the reality of that team. Meaning, for instance, for instance, this is just for instance, right? Those of you that watch football, football, you remember a couple of years ago, Leicester City won the Premier League. They were like in the bottom of the Premier League and they ended up winning the Premier League. So all the fans all of a sudden thought, hey, we're going to win another Premier League. Where's Leicester City now? Nowhere to be found. And that's what I mean. Going into the NBA season, as of today, after this recording, September 24, 2018, is NBA Media Day. And all teams have an expectation to make the playoffs, to play well and make it. But in reality, those of us that watch the sport, we know at the end of the day, there's only going to be like five teams that are going to compete for a championship. But yet, fans set themselves up. And I'm here to tell you, don't do that. Don't do that. You tend to get your heart broken. It's like a guy trying to chase a girl. She's out of your league, but you set your hopes too high. You want to say, you know what? Man, maybe I get it. You put so much time and effort, and then she rejects you. How do you feel after that? Right now, the Golden State Warriors are king. Nobody is in their league at the moment. Nobody. doesn't matter what these past couple series say. Everybody says, ah, if Chris Paul played in the conference finals, they probably would have beat Golden State. Maybe, maybe not. It didn't happen. For the past three years, they've been, four years rather, they've been destroying everyone except for that 2006 finals where LeBron James and Kyrie Irving pull off a miracle. But aside from that, the Golden State Warriors have been dominating. But every year we come in the season expecting something different. That is what makes the NFL great. Look at the New Orleans Saints this past season. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? A defense that bad would be 2-1 and one right now. Who would have thought? Tiger Woods would have won a tour championship. This man has pretty much been a walking skeleton. He couldn't even play with his kids. He had back transfusions. He was hurt. Nobody thought he would win. I saw a video, I saw a video a couple of days ago on YouTube where a lot of people were just telling, hey, Tiger needs to retire. He needs to go away. He's not going to win anymore. Now that he won, what do we say? Those people's expectations was low, actually. They didn't expect him to win. So they were surprised when he won. I wasn't quite, I wasn't surprised. I was quite happy. Why? Because I set my expectations, not ridiculously low, but I kind of knew the type of 
player Tiger was, and I've seen him play for these past couple tournaments, and I say, okay, it's getting there, it's getting there, it's getting there. And that's what NBA fans need to do now, as of media day. You need to really look at your team and set your expectations. Washington Wizards fans, you're not going to make it past the second round of the playoffs. So no, you're not going to win a championship. Utah Jazz, no, no. Sacramento Kings, don't even think about it. You're going back to the lottery, okay? Phoenix Suns, yes, you're going back to the lottery too. Detroit Pistons, you're going back to the lottery too. Cleveland Cavaliers, oh, please, you might actually get the first pick. You're gone. Orlando Magic, yes. You get my drift there. Yes, as fans, we set our expectations high. We want our team to do well. But we also have to be real. Ah, man, another episode in the books is wrapped up, man, and I love it. You know, I appreciate all the support, man. Every week I say this, but I really, really appreciate the support that you guys have given me. It's an amazing feeling to, you know, voice your opinion about something that you love. And for me, this is sports. Um, this is great for the new listeners. If you already haven't subscribed, you just go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Just go subscribe. If, you, if you're on social media, obviously, follow us on Statman Sports Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Soon we'll have our Twitter account as well, but you can follow my personal account at DuffisBoy on Twitter. Um, I leave crazy tweets during games. I live tweet. I like to do that stuff, you know, and I follow a few of you already, and um, the interaction is great. So if you haven't done that, like I said, just go ahead and subscribe. Uh, we have a lot in store as well for you guys. In the next couple episodes, we're going to have a special guest on, our first special guest. She's an ESPN anchor. Her name is Antonietta Collins. Yeah, she's amazing. If you watch Sports Center, you you've seen her. So she will be there with us, and she'll be talking to us about a, about different topics, about herself, about uh, I just leave it at that. Just come listen to it, and you hear it. It'll be amazing. But uh, for right now, Statman signing out. Thanks for listening to the Statman Sports Podcast. See you next time.